is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 149 for Monday, March the 3rd, 2014. Hmm. 149, we're one off of 150, which is That's quite true. An, quite an accomplishment, I think. That'll be on Wednesday. It will be. It will be on Wednesday. And, you know, for you and me to stick with anything for 150 uh, repetitions is really quite <laughs> impressive. What is that, the sesquicentennial? <laughs> I don't know. Is that what you, you call it? Well, you remember when Canada turned 150 years old? It was all in, in big news. It was the sesquicentennial. Uh, no, you know what's funny? The last Canadian anniversary I, well, remember that was of, of any significance was Canada 125. Oh, that might have been the sesquicentennial. Maybe. And I'm not 100% sure that we have turned 150 yet. I'm looking. 2017 would be the 150th. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I, I that's, didn't. That's the sesquicentennial. I didn't think so. And, uh, you know, doing some math might have helped there, but... Anyways, that's that's good. Our 150th episode is on Wednesday, but we'll talk about that then, maybe. Uh, right now, I want to do one thing, and that's tell you that it's National Anthem Day. National Anthem Day. I feel like I should stand up. Well, if you do, make sure you sing the National Anthem. That is not going to happen. Not even a little bit? Can you sing it in French? No, but my daughter can. Yeah, that's good. Um, when was the last time you performed the Canadian National Anthem? Performed? Well, sang, even to yourself. Um. Well, to myself all the time, just walking around. You want to just feel just walking patriotic. around, singing stuff. It's it's more of a segment. I've haven't gone from beginning to end singing those so like thirty verses, but uh, mm. I I I don't think I've ever actually performed it in public since like grade four or five. How, what do you mean thirty verses? Oh, there's like lots of extra verses that aren't in the uh, the standard version. Are you sure about that? Yeah. The, are you you're telling me that the national anthem that they sing before hockey games in schools every morning things like that is a shortened version of the whole thing? I believe so. I don't know, man. I think I would know that. Um, how many national anthems do you think you know? Three: Canada, and the U.S., the U.S., and uh, Russia. The old Russian national anthem. I don't know if they still use it or not, but. Um, well, I recognize it. Let's just say I don't know the actual words, but I, I do know it when I hear it. Sure. I, I'm i with you. I could probably recognize three official, maybe four official national anthems. Um, you, you know why I, I, know I can recognize the, the Russian national anthem? I don't know. The, the movie The Hunt for, for Red October. Oh, okay. That makes <laughs> I've sense. I've seen it so many times. Well, you know, I can probably sing the Canadian one and the American one, but that's it. I don't think I could go any anything beyond that. And then there's the other, you know, bonus songs like God Save the Queen and um, the Maple Leaf Forever and those things that, that aren't technically national anthems. And, of course, the Hockey Night in Canada theme song. But, you know, those those don't count, even though I could probably whip those off in a pinch. Right. So, all right. Well, that's exciting. Happy National Anthem Day, everyone. If you didn't... If you missed it, maybe stand up right now, belt out your national anthem, and uh, if you're somewhere that that's not appropriate, everyone will look at you funny. But it could be could be hilarious. All right, so we have a second and third stanza historical refrain. 
which are some additional stuff, but it's not like a whole bunch of versions or a whole bunch of additional verses and stuff. There's some additional historical ones. All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, my, I'll ask my seven-year-old. She probably knows them all by now. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention that we passed 20,000 likes on Faith, Facebook. On Facebook. <laughs> we, nope, we're not Wait, on. is that taken? That's a great idea. <laughs> we are. Uh, it probably is taken. Facebook. Uh, we are not on Facebook. We are on Facebook, the Facebook. 20,000 likes, Jason. When we started the second half of season four, I mentioned that I'd love to get to 20,000 by the end of season four, and here we are, halfway through the back half, and we've already done it. That's awesome. In fact, we're already at 20,270 at last check. Not that it's a race or anything. Um, But I've also realized something, and that is the more likes you have, the more likes you get. Well, yeah. So it's a bit you of gotta a... have money to make money. It's a whole. <laughs> it's the same principle, I guess. So, yeah. It's a bit of a sliding upward scale where the more there are there, the faster you accumulate them. So, thank right. you to each and every one of you who's liked us on Facebook, and uh, keep keep it up. Let your friends know, and uh, we'll keep this train a rolling. Absolutely, that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Good. All right. You know what it's time for now? Uh, what? It is time to play a. An entry, or in fact this week, two entries in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. So this one, the first one I'm going to play is is unique. It's different than everything else we've gotten so far, but it qualifies. Okay, good. And after, you can can see, I'll see if you can tell me what makes it different, okay? Okay. (laughs) It's a test. That's right. This was sent in by Casey in Texas. And the scene is performed by her daughter, Sarah. Of all the money that I had, I spent it in good company. And all the harm that I've ever done, alas, it was to none but me. And all I've done for want of wit to memory now I can't recall. So fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. Good night and joy be with you all. There you go. So what did you think of that? I thought that was great. It was very good. That's what you say after every entry. Well, it is. They've all been great. Fantastic. Superlative. Uh, insert uh, exciting adjective here. It's, uh, they, that, was, that was fantastic. That was really good. And, of course, that was sung. Yeah. And that was the song that Beth sings around the campfire um, in season two. No, the beginning of season three. I thought it was the end of season two. No, because they're sitting in the prison yard, if I'm not mistaken, and that's right after they cleared out the the uh, outer yard of the prison. Right. Okay. So, so I think first episode of season three. Um. So what's the test question? Well, the question was what made that different than all the rest. Oh, sound effects. And that it was sung. Oh, and it was sung. So it was a trick <laughs> question because there was two possible answers. I guess so. Yeah. So uh, everything. Yeah, pretty much everything. (laughs) All right, this one comes from Maria and her daughter Susanna in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Hi, guys. This is Maria, 
and my daughter Susanna. We're from Spartanburg, South Carolina, and this is our scene for the Record Your Favorite Scene Contest. May I speak with you? Me? I'll be right back. What's the problem? Stay away from her. Please. This isn't about you trying to repopulate the earth. I didn't mean no offense. I've been locked up a long while and, well, there weren't many women. You follow me? I mean, Maggie, she's with Glenn and you're a lesbian and I was just talking with her and... I'm not a lesbian. But you, you got the short hair. You're... You're not a lesbian? My, my. This is interesting. No, it's not. Thanks, you guys. We love the podcast. I love Norman Reedus. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That so, might have been my favorite so far. Really? Yeah. <laughs> is it because there was a little girl saying lesbian over and over again? No, it, <laughs> because it was a great conversation between <laughs> Axel and Carol. Yep. Uh, one that I really enjoyed, and it just was a completely different take on it, and it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, It was good. It was different than the show, even though it was the same, and it was super, super entertaining. So thank you, Maria and Susanna. Uh it would have been better. It would, well wouldn't have been better, but uh, having Lou Temple actually say it was was a lot of fun. But uh, having a little girl talking about it was fantastic. It was. Remember when we met Lou Temple? I do remember when we met Lou Temple. Entertaining guy, mm-hmm. Mr. Entertainment, pretty much. Okay, one more thing. No, two more things before we get into the recap of this week's episode, and that is uh, quickly here the listener email of the week. This comes from Lee in Larry F in Texas also known as Lawrence, Texas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I like. <clears throat> Lee says, Regarding the signs for Terminus, isn't it a little strange that none of the survivors has ever seen these signs before? In episode 403, they discuss searching for medicine and refer in to the fact that they've uh, looted all the nearby pharmacies. Given this and the fact that the prison was stocked with tons of supplies, you would assume that they've pretty much scoured the landscape for useful stuff and uh, this would have had plenty of opportunity to notice survivor recruitment banners hanging around. Also, this would mean that the survivors who hung up the banners would have been traveling somewhat near the prison and might even know about the group. Just wondering if you guys or the listeners had any thoughts about that. So, hmm. traveling around the neighborhood yeah, and the countryside, how come nobody noticed these banners before now? Maybe they're new. Maybe there's some kind of campaign going on where they uh, got the whole neighborhood together to put up, uh, you know, it's like garage sale signs. <clears throat> they they kind of pop up on Friday afternoon, and then uh, next thing you know, it's garage sale time, and then they, they leave on, on Sunday. That's really the only thing I could think of, um, garage sales, no, that they, are, that they were new. Uh, they haven't been there very long, and it's just a coincidence that, you know, the prison happened to fall— and everyone scattered around shortly after these signs were put up. Either right. that, or as Lee said, they were doing a lot of scavenging at pharmacies and nearby locations. Maybe that they'd done all that already. They'd done that early on in the prison in a lot of you know uh, a lot of different raids or runs, right. and they hadn't been out in a little while. Um, that being said, we also know that Daryl and Michonne had been out looking for the governor and so on. So you know. 
why didn't they notice the signs? I don't know. I think it's just a plot convenience, but I think it can be explained by saying that maybe those signs are relatively new. Yeah, I would I would go with new. Yeah, probably. What about the thought that the the uh, people putting up the signs are aware of the prison? Now, where I'm going with that is, what if these people, and this is pure speculation, but what if the people at Terminus are subtly trying to lure people to their location for some mm. reason? Yeah, very sneaky. It is. What could they I be think up it, to? I though? think they're trying to lure people to their location for cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, you got to eat, but who knows, man? I don't know. Uh, I think it's just an interesting idea. Like, for now, I've sort of looked at those signs and been like, oh, there's somewhere for them to go. That's good. They're all on the road to this place. That's where they're going to meet up. But you got to assume it's not going to be all hunky-dory when they get there or, you know, something is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen because nothing good ever happens in The Walking Dead. Well, maybe it's, uh, you know, they're putting up the signs in, uh, you know, they're wandering around. The group of people at uh, Terminus are wandering around. They find, uh, a, you know, a smattering of people here and there. They figure out which way they're going, and they move a banner into their road in order to uh, specifically lure them. And then they take the banner down, and they go and uh, they keep the path going until they get that small group of people into their uh, into their trap. And then they go looking for other new people. Right, and in the case of a prison, maybe just put up some signs around the prison, let those folks find it themselves, yep. and make a decision of whether to come or not. Now, there's no maybe reason— the prison group was too big. Maybe the prison group, uh, they're like, well, we can't really—we can't handle that size of a group, so uh, we'll have to stick, or stick around and, and wait for a smaller group or you know, continue to look for a smaller group, and then when the prison broke up into smaller groups, now it's manageable. It is, although that seems awfully quick to be able to put those signs up. I mean, people started seeing those signs the first day they fled from the prison. Yeah, the ninjas. I guess sign ninjas, banner ninjas. Yeah, banner ninjas. Right. It's a thing. Of course it is. Of course. Anyways, I think it's a good idea. We don't know what is going to be at Terminus. Friendly, unfriendly, who knows? Uh, But it is interesting that everyone seems to be moving to that direction. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's talk about the ratings real quick. Cool. So the Oscars were on against The Walking Dead last night. Now, I don't have the numbers for last night's episode of the show yet, The Walking Dead, but I do have the Oscar numbers. Do you want to hear what they are? I do. 43 million viewers, as reported by Entertainment Weekly. So... I don't expect The Walking Dead to have beaten the Oscars. No, you can't beat the Oscars. I do think it's impossible. Now, episode 11 of Walking Dead had 13.12 million. Pretty damn good. And what will be interesting here is to see whether last night's episode, number 12, has a big dip in ratings because of the Oscars. Well, I would expect it would. I don't know, man. I watched the Oscars instead of The the Walking Dead. I sure did not. I mean, I had the Oscars on a little bit, but I I couldn't take the time to not watch The Walking Dead because i got to be ready for this tonight. Well, my workflow is to watch it uh, once it becomes available on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't have a problem. Like, I could watch it live, but I knew that if I didn't watch it live, I wouldn't have a problem. I'd still be you know, up on the episode by the time we got around to podcasting. Right, which is not the same for me. I am i don't have the time if I don't watch it Sunday nights. So um, I watched it. it. It will be interesting to see if they take a hit because of the Oscars. 
Now, there could be other reasons this episode takes a hit, but we'll get into that later. I think that I think that Walking Dead fans are dedicated enough that I don't expect this episode to take a significant hit. Maybe a million people down to like 12 million, but I don't think it'll be I certainly don't think it'll be much lower than that. Definitely not under 10. I completely disagree with you. Really, eh? What's I'm your... way on the other side of the fence. I think there's going to be a significant dip uh, in the uh, in the ratings All right, because let's, of the Oscars. Let's make predictions. What do you think the ratings for this episode is going to be? Six million. Six million. Six million. I'm writing that down on this piece of paper. All right. Is it a, is it a bill? Mil. Uh, yes, it's my... Oh, oh. It's my gas bill. Okay, do not pay that amount. <laughs> Thanks, I won't. Because <laughs> uh, that'll be way too much, and it would take you forever to get that credit back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To use that much gas. I'd have free gas for the rest of my life, <laughs> my children's life. And, and minus minus $6 million in your account. That's right. And I just can't afford that right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to say 11.5. Okay. Written down... On in blue pencil crayon, <laughs> on my on my gas bill. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, so we will see next week who's closer. The rules are closest without going over. Right. No, that's not the rules. We'll just well, see. no. I don't think we can use prices right rules. No, we'll we'll just see who who uh, is closest. Now I don't know if you saw this, but I did a quick informal poll on Facebook the night before on Saturday night, and I posted and said, who's going to watch The Walking Dead and who's going to watch the Oscars? And it was overwhelmingly Walking Dead. Now, I realize that that is a bit of a uh, targeted audience. Right. So we'll see. But The Walking Dead is a targeted audience at, you know, The Walking Dead fans. Well, it may be, but that's like a 12 to 13 million person targeted audience. So we you got to figure how many of those 12 million people are casual viewers to the point that they would watch something else and either not watch this or catch it later. Yeah, I meant it more of a uh, sarcastic uh, circular joke argument. Okay. It's a targeted <laughs> audience to Walking Dead fans because they're fans because they're fans. Yeah, that's true. See, sorry, sorry about that. No, that's okay. I'll try to understand better next time. But let's... you could be right. You could be right about the the casual viewers and the overlap viewers. Like, who would rather watch the Oscars than The Walking Dead? And uh, I sadly am one of them because uh, I knew that I, you know, it, there wasn't any real downside to me watching the Oscars over The Walking Dead because I knew I'd watch The Walking Dead before now. Well, yeah, <clears throat> it's not like you're not going to do it. If you didn't, you'd, you'd be fired. Yeah, that'd be an awkward uh, <laughs> podcast. Eh? Let's do a recap. Uh, okay, I'll just follow along while you yeah, talk about it here. <laughs> I think that's great. Well, Jason, let's yeah. do a recap. How about that? Okay, that'd be fantastic. This is Season 4, Episode 12, entitled Still. So the curtains draw. Ellen DeGeneres walks out on stage. No, wait, that's the Oscars. <laughs> Hold on. We open in The Walking Dead in a nighttime shot of an abandoned car on the road. Thunder is rolling overhead. Have we ever saw... A or seen uh, an actual rainstorm on this show? I'm sure we have. Has it ever rained on The Walking Dead? That's you know, an excellent question. I can't think of a time. I'm pretty sure we've heard thunder before, and but I don't know that it's ever actually rained. Now, I'm probably wrong, and someone will correct me, but off the top of my head, I can't think of any other time when it's rained. Well, maybe it just doesn't rain in Georgia. 
No, I'm pretty sure it rains in Georgia. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does too. And and even this time, it didn't actually rain. It was just thundering. <laughs> so, That's a little weird. Usually um, some people, you know, like some uh, films and TV, they like to film in the rain for uh, pathetic fallacies. Isn't that what it's called? Uh, a sympathetic fallacy or something like that. Wait, I can think uh, of one time it rained. Okay. Uh, back in Guts, when Rick and... Um, uh, Glenn were walking covered in goop. It started to rain. It washed the, right. it washed it off them. Well, that was plot rain. It was. It, and it, I don't think we've ever gotten setting rain. No. Setting so rain plot or rain background versus rain. setting rain. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Mood, a... mood rain. <laughs> mood setting rain. Yeah. Anyways, thunder's rolling. We have Beth and Daryl. They come bursting out of the bush, and they seem like they're a little bit panicked. You know, they're they're on high alert. And we hear some walkers approaching, but we don't see them. So they hop in the trunk of the car to hide. Well, Beth starts to tries to start the car first. Uh, you're right. She tries to start the car. I just by the think... look of the car, it might run. <laughs> no, no, that is not true. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like try. it's. It doesn't look like it is operated in a long time. Yeah. Um, so they jump in the trunk, and they pull down the trunk. They tie it shut. And outside, we hear a lot of walkers passing by. Yep. Now, there were a few strange edits during this trunk hiding scene. There was. It sort of cut between, and it was mostly it was mostly um, cutting between the the noise of the knock the knockers. Oh my god, the walkers outside. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Anybody in the trunk? Hello. Anybody? Um, and at you know it would it, at one in one cut there would be a ton of noise as if there was hundreds of walkers out there, cut to not as much noise, and they were a little bit jarring, a little bit jarring. And I think you know were they there for any other purpose than to kind of display the passage of time? No, it was to to, uh, to convey the passage of time. And but the first one I thought was a commercial break, which I thought was odd because why would you put a commercial break in the middle of the cold open? That's right, you do it after the opening credits. Because I watch this on from iTunes, right? So the commercial breaks are just fade to black and then fade in, mm-hmm. right? So I don't notice that they're that they're commercial breaks. I just see that they're fade out and fade in. Mm-hmm. So this felt like a commercial break. I'm like, uh, thirty seconds into a TV show, they usually don't have a commercial unless it's something special. Uh, so that they did the first one felt a little jarring until as soon as it came back, I knew okay, that's supposed to convey the passage of time. So the second one was a little easier, mm-hmm. and the third one uh, there was there was light outside, so I knew okay, that's what they're doing. They're saying okay, they were here all night. Yep. And sometimes there was uh, a whole lot of zombies, and sometimes there wasn't. Do you think I did like the first cut where they cut to black or it goes to black and then it cuts back in with like a lightning and thunder crash on Beth's big knife. Right. It was a real horror movie type thing, which I, you know, I always say, and I, I, I like it when they do that kind of stuff on the show. But you're right. Eventually they cut to daytime and the walkers have passed. Do you think this was the big 7,500 walker herd that we saw in a previous episode? No. I Not, thought this was a smaller group, maybe a couple of hundred. But just enough that they needed to hide. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> the way I figured, if it was a, if it was a huge herd and they were densely packed, they would have walked over the car. Like they would have been like a whole bunch of people would have bumped into the car and then started crawling over the car. And if they did that, some people would be uh, some of the zombies would be walking or crawling over the trunk, mm-hmm. which would have slammed the lid shut. And I was kind of half expecting that that they'd get they'd get trapped in the car by zombies accidentally slamming the lid closed uh, on the on the trunk. And you got to think, if there were enough zombies, 
and they and they were all you know over the car you'd end up with just bodies draped over that car for a long time you would trapping but our zombies heroes. Are, we, we, you know, it's it's a known fact that zombies can walk around cars. Well, sure, right. But uh, that, what I'm thinking is that if it was a really large herd, they wouldn't have the room to walk around the car. They'd mm-hmm. have to walk over the car, or you know, move the car. It's like a, uh, you know, a stream versus a torrent kind of thing. Right. Okay. Well, eventually they move on, and it's daylight now. So, bear. Beth and Daryl jump out of the... They come out of the trunk, and they start gathering random junk into a bag, like the rearview mirror, hubcaps, things like that, and they head off down the road. Mm-hmm. It was, it was strange. I'm like, what are they doing here? Why are they taking this stuff? They're cleaning up. I thought that they were tidying up the scene because it was a messy uh, junk pile, and they thought that uh, the world should be a cleaner place. Well, it doesn't take long to get an actual explanation because after the opening credits we come back and they're now in the forest and Daryl is trying to hunt a squirrel but he misses and breaks one of his arrows. Yeah, I was a little surprised, A, that he missed the squirrel because uh-huh. he's a known squirrel sniper. Yep, <laughs> that's like, right. With, so I was, uh, I was incredibly surprised and uh, I thought his uh, crossbow bolts were unbreakable. I thought they were magic bolts. Personally, well, I think it's nice that they're showing us that they are not unbreakable. You know, we see him fire bolts all the time. We see him retrieve bolts all the time, but those aren't going to last forever. And I think it was—I think it was just a nice touch to show one breaking because that's going to happen. It, it is. It's definitely going to happen every now and again. And I'm glad that they didn't show him throwing it away, because uh, you can make a new bolt uh, if, as long as you have the uh, the the head, the arrowhead, and the feathers. Mm-hmm. You can make a new one, albeit crude, but I guess you get better at it as needed. But if you just throw the damn thing away, then you lose it altogether. Right. Uh, while he is doing that, Beth is making a fire, and she's using the car mirror to reflect the sun and light it. So uh, through she, the glass. She also picked up a piece of, uh, yeah. I guess it was headlight glass. And so she was. I was like, okay, a car mirror is not going to be able to start a fire. But she was reflecting the sun through the glass which focused the beam so that she could start a fire. Well, what was she using the car mirror for then? The mirror, so the sun would reflect through the glass. So she was okay. redirecting the sun so she wouldn't have to, uh, so she could find a beam of light independent of the location of the fire pit. Right. Okay. Right? Smart. Yeah. It was smart. very smart. It would take, you know, uh, about three and a half hours to start a fire that way, but that's fine. Well, they have time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they are hanging up the hubcaps as noise generators if if a zombie stumbles into their area. I figured they were going to use them for plates. Uh, but they didn't. They used them for a warning system. Warning system, that's right. So they're putting the junk to good use. So yes. there you go. Now, Daryl catches and skins a snake, and yep. as he's eating it, Beth talks about needing a drink, and she means a real drink, like alcohol, mm-hmm. not just the water. She says she's never had one because of her dad, who, if we recall, was an alcoholic for a while. And while Daryl is listening, he's eating and pretty much ignores her, so she walks off. That snake uh, is taking up a lot of his attention. It really is. He's that snake. chowing down on that thing. Yeah. You ever eaten snake? Nope. Would you? Oh, yeah. I'd try it. I've uh, no, I've seen people eat snakes in The Walking Dead, and I saw it in Romancing the Stone, mm-hmm. and I think that's good enough for me. Two sources, fine. <laughs> there you go. There's not many things I wouldn't try one time. Uh, yeah. I would like to try uh, kangaroo. 
I think people kangaroo. eat kangaroos. I've had I've had a kangaroo something or other. I think it was a burger. Yeah, I would try. Um, you know, people might call me out for this, but there are places where people eat horse, and I'll be honest, I would try it if I was in that culture. There's a new, uh, not a new, but I heard of a uh, a German sausage restaurant on uh, King Street West that uh, has a kangaroo sausage. Well, if I know one thing about you, Jason, it's that you love sausage. Well, it's, I was at a uh, I was at a family get together the other day, and uh, somebody there mentioned it, and my head swiveled right over the, over to him and started asking detailed questions on the location and what their menu was like. Okay, well, we should I, go. I will be going there. We should. We definitely should. All right, let's make it a date. Um, back to the show. Beth is now in the forest alone, and she encounters four zombies. Maybe five. So she hides behind a tree. She does, and she throws a rock to distract them, which you don't think is going to work, but it ultimately does, because the last zombie who gets close turns and walks away. Well, that that's a tried, tested, and true method of redirecting someone's attention. Throw a rock, make a noise? throw something and make a noise i mean there's uh, countless video games where you do exactly that in order to move somebody from one location to another mm-hmm. like assassin's creed or thief or basically any video game where you need to sneak around and distract other humans so you can assassinate them that's right well that's what beth does and it works lucky for her because there's no way she would have been able to take on four zombies at once uh daryl shows up and takes her back to the camp and they argue some more about doing something because he seems to not want to do anything. And Beth says that she can take care of herself and she doesn't want to sit around staring at a fire and eating snakes all day. <laughs> right. I don't know why. That sounds okay to me. It, that sounds actually lovely for me. You put, uh, you know, you camp out on the side of a lake or by a river and that seems like a really nice weekend. A weekend, but maybe they've been doing it for too long already for her. Yeah, probably. So she gives him the finger and says she's going to find her drink what she needs right here's a commercial break and when we come back they have come to a golf course and beth thinks that this would be a good place to find some booze yeah because any sport you can do while drinking is an okay sport with me you know what i noticed about the golf course shot here uh what that they did a really good job of making it look overgrown and neglected Okay, so my question is, uh, well, I doubted that this was an actual golf course that they made look overgrown. I think it was a field that they made look like a golf course. You could be right about that, but my point still stands, that I thought it looked really good. If Whether it was a real golf course or not, they did a nice job of portraying a maybe year-and-a-half, two-year-old neglected golf course. Now, I uh, I used to belong to a golf club in the Sioux. I had a membership to a golf course in the Sioux. Really? And yeah, in high school, I uh, it was half price for if you were under sixteen, and I was under sixteen. So, uh, me and my stepfather got the memberships that year, and we went golfing every like two three days. So the more I golf, the worse I get. Like it's bad. By the time the summer was over, it was just nasty. <laughs> I was, was the worst golfer on that course. <laughs> I had to. It got to the point where I had to borrow my uncle Brian's golf clubs because he's left-handed, and so I had to hit left-handed, and it got better for a little while until I got used to those, and then it got bad again. It was just anyway. So this the golf course that uh, that I was a member of was not much better than what we saw in, in here. <laughs> okay. Like it was, you know, it wasn't a world-class golf course. It wasn't yeah. even good. There was like a pile of rocks in the middle of it. And you had to uh, really try hard not to hit the trailer park that was next to it kind of thing. And uh, so it was only marginally better than this. And there was a, 
sometimes you really couldn't tell whether you were on the fairway or in the rough. Usually you could tell if you were on the green, but <laughs> depending on the hole. <laughs> Sounds like I mean. a classy place. Oh, it was great. It was, uh, <laughs> they've, I think they've cleaned it up really a lot since then, and uh, now it's a lot of fun to go to. All right. Well, that's good to know, but this golf course, I thought, looked like it may have been nice at one time. I think it was just a field that they made look like a golf course. Yeah, they, like mowed a section of it and stuck a pin in the ground. You're probably right. Uh, Beth and Daryl approach the clubhouse, and they break in. And inside, they find some zombies hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Hung zombies. Not the first time we've seen that on this show, either. No, there's suicides gone wrong. Absolutely. Gone totally wrong. Uh, and it looks like people had been living there at one time. There was lots of sleeping bags and clothes around. And, you know, I guess some people had stayed here for a long time. And it looked like a large group because there was a lot of stuff in there. There was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of bodies. Uh, the windows were all covered. Uh, yeah, it looked like they were all uh, all holed up there for a while. Mm-hmm. And they start looking around. And Beth finds a decorative spoon with Washington, D.C. engraved on it. <gasps> foreshadowing and daryl grabs a bag full of money and jewelry <laughs> yeah i'm not sure what he was going for there well he uh habit okay habit <laughs> why a, not you know if i was walking around and i saw a pile of money and jewels and a bag sitting next to it i might carry it around until i realized this is stupid I can't buy anything at all with this anymore. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and they, this kind of crap could come in handy. Maybe it's the same kind of thing as the hubcaps, right? Well, you know, I could see it coming in handy for bartering, the jewels anyways. Not that they have value, but someone might think they still have value in this. Or maybe Daryl just wants to wear the jewelry. Maybe he's a, you know, a bracelet and earrings kind of guy. Well, he might be, you know, dress up, dance around, uh, put on some... You know, makeup and jewelry. Fancy clothes. In his private time. <laughs> uh, maybe he was going to use it for fletching. Maybe he was going to use the uh, the money to make feathers for crossbow bolts and was going to use the jewels for uh, for bolt tips. There you go. Uh, if he's making arrows or bolts, then... Diamond-tipped arrow. That'd be pretty classy. Classy and sounds like it would do some damage. Yeah. All right. So they continue exploring... Now they're, they go into a kitchen. I think it was a kitchen anyways. And Daryl seems to be pocketing some random stuff, like a small plastic jar. Right. I, I, you know, I, you can explain the jewels, I guess, and the money and so on, but I didn't really get what, what he was taking some of this other stuff for. Well, I think it's a matter of if you live in the wild in this kind of situation for a year or so, you got a sense of what's valuable and what's not that really doesn't compare to what we consider valuable and what's not. Small plastic Maybe jar, though? Small plastic jar might be the valuable thing. Like one of the things Beth grabbed at the car was a water bottle. Like if we were, you know, leaving an area and going off, would you pick up an old water bottle and stick it in a trash bag because, geez, you really need that? Uh, no. Neither I would I. I might pick it up and throw it in the recycling and or garbage, but... yes. Yeah, but, uh, you know, their sense of what, what has value is completely different than ours. Okay. So maybe that uh, the little plastic jar was uh, something they needed. I mean, you could you could use it to catch, if it ever rained, you could use it to catch, like, shots of rain that you could drink as needed. Right. But it never rains, so who knows? No, it never rains, apparently. While Daryl's doing that, though, Beth uh, finds a closet with a bottle of wine on a shelf. She steps over a dead zombie to get it. Dumb move. 
Yeah, but I'll, I don't know what it was. I never really felt much tension in that bit. I'm like, that zombie's clearly dead. It's not going to jump up. That would just be too obvious. And if it yeah. did, she'd probably get bit in the foot or the ankle like everybody else on this show. Um, but she makes it out of the closet, and a walker attacks her then from another room, and she has to smash the zombie with the wine bottle to kill it and eventually put her knife into its face. Stabbing it in the face with a wine bottle. Yep, and then the wine bottle doesn't work after a while, so she gets her knife and slowly slides it into the zombie's eye socket, it looked like. I thought it was a pretty good knife-to-the-head shot anyway. It was a good knife-to-the-head, and it was really well done because it would start it off like it stabbed in quickly and then moved slowly after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so well done that I couldn't quite figure... I can't quite figure out how they did that special effecty-wise. Um, maybe it was digital. Maybe the knife blade retracted into the handle of the knife and she just was able to do it slowly. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it looked really awesome. I was really happy with that agreed stabby thing. I agree. Now, she looks on the wall and someone has written, Welcome to the dog trot on the wall. Tell me, what in the hell does that mean? Maybe it's a play on the uh, name of the golf course. What was the name of the golf course? I don't know. No. So uh, maybe the name of the golf, maybe it's a play on that. It's like, uh, I don't know. You know I what? Really don't, it didn't make a lot of sense. I think the name of the golf course was on screen as they passed the sign for it, right? It, it was. Let me, uh, let me it, see if I can find it. So it could be, talking. I mean, it could be a play on that. But if it's not, I mean, what could dog trot possibly mean? I, I can't come up with anything. And they showed it to us on the wall, made it seemed like they made a point to show it to the audience, but then it never came up in the rest of the episode unless I missed something. I don't know. Pine Vista Country Club. Pine Vista. Well, that doesn't sound like dog trot at all. That means you can see the pines from here. (laughs) That's right. Country Club. (laughs) The pines are visible. (laughs) Maybe it's, uh, maybe, you know, it used to be a walking uh, or a dog park. Maybe it was the dog trot dog park outside and uh, somebody's like, well, now the dog park's in here. Because people are pooping everywhere and nobody's picking it up with bags and everybody's smelling each other's behinds. <laughs> That's what happens before they hang themselves and then flee. And yeah, just, you know, society breaks down. We start smelling everybody's behind. Yeah, thanks. That's great. I don't know. I don't know what it meant. If any listeners have any ideas of what dog trot means or how it was relevant to this episode, let us know because clearly you're smarter than we are, yeah. which isn't that hard. No. So they continue exploring. Daryl pushes a grandfather clock out of the way to get through the hall, and they end up in the golf pro shop. Yeah. So Daryl's still grabbing random stuff, it seems, and Beth decides to change her top, and she chooses a nice yellow golf shirt with a white sweater over it. You never wear white. (laughs) In the zombie apocalypse or otherwise. No, just in general. On TV or in movies, as soon as you wear white, you're going to get blood on it. Uh, that is very true. I think. My uh, my wife always points that out. Every time somebody walks on uh, onto screen with wearing white, it's like, well, he's going to get shot or she's going to die because she's wearing white. As soon as you wear white, you're a dead person. Yeah. Or you get crap on it, apparently. It gets ruined somehow, anyways. Yeah. Now, they find a, a zombie posed here with a sign that says rich bitch around her neck. Right. And Beth wants to take her down, but Daryl says no and throws a blanket over her head instead. There, done. Done. You can't see her. She's out of sight, out of mind. Good as buried. That's right. So they leave the pro shop, I think by the same hall as they came in, and this time the clock chimes as they're passing it a few times and attracts some zombies. 
they flee, but they end up in another room, and Daryl decides to fight them off. And I think there were five, maybe six zombies. There was a couple, yeah. A yeah. Few. So pretty good fight. You know, he's out-zombied by a fair margin. And the last one, he takes down with a golf club, but it takes numerous hits. And I thought it was kind of stupid. He hit it in the body a bunch of times, like shoulder, arm. Well, he was angry. He was taking out his anger on the zombie. He knew what he was doing. He was just taking the opportunity to expel some anger and frustration. You think so? He wasn't, this wasn't Daryl just losing his zombie killing mojo for a minute? No, God no. Because how hard is it to hit somebody in the head with a golf club? No, and did you see his swing? Norman Reedus knows how to golf. (laughs) That man had a swing that was a serious golfing swing. After he gets the zombie on the ground and he's actually golfing its face? He's Yeah, he's whacking it with that golf club, and his hands were together, and that swing, even when they panned back and he took a swing at the face and all the blood splattered everywhere, that follow-through was almost perfect. That man knows how to golf. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just saying. I thought at first, I'm like, come on, Daryl would have hit that thing in the head by now with a golf club. But If he wanted to just kill it, absolutely. But no, he was taking out frustration. He was just anger. You know, he might as well, might as well have been uh, breakdance fighting for all I know. Yeah, and you know, I think Beth referenced that later on too. She said, if you want to just stand around and kill zombies, that's fine. Yeah. Later on in the episode. So, um, But the, the main thing here is once he does golf that zombie's face off, it all sprays all over Beth's nice new sweater. Yeah. So it didn't take long for her to ruin that sweater. <laughs> and that's why I don't, anything, don't own anything that's white. Yeah, except if you're going to join a lawn bowling team, you're going to need some white clothes. Done. Perfect. So I will not buy white clothes because I don't have any intention of joining a lawn bowling team. Well, quick aside, I did go lawn bowling with some people last year. It was really fun. I had a really nice time. Oh, good. There and was, you wore that uh, that white uh, Stormtrooper shirt, right? I wore a... Sh- yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wore a shirt with a Stormtrooper on it because that's the only white shirt I had. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I think the only white shirt that I own is the uh, Vote for Pedro shirt I got from uh, 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 Napoleon Dynamite. Remember you, me, and Dave went to see Napoleon Dynamite and we got t-shirts? Yeah, way back. Way back. I still have that shirt and it's probably the only white shirt I own. I have mine too. I never wear it though. Yeah. Um, so what happens? They, they continue and they come to the clubhouse bar and we're reminded here now that Beth is still looking for booze and this seems to be the place. Daryl continues to scavenge random things. And of course the, the one thing I'm talking about here is he breaks a, a, he breaks something off the wall that kind of reminded me of a framed diploma on the wall. It was a pic. It was a picture frame, and it was a document of some kind in that frame. And he broke the broke the glass, then took the picture off the wall and rolled it up, and took out the piece of paper, folded it up, and put it away. So, what is he doing? Is is that so he can use it to light a fire later? I mean, does he just need combustible items? No, he's in Pine Vista Gulf Country Club. There's pines everywhere. There's going to be needles and branches and stuff on the ground. He does not need combustible materials to light a fire. And besides, uh, you know, Emily or Emily Kinney or Beth, she has that covered with the uh, the piece of glass and the broken mirror from the car. Yeah, but I think that stuff's gone now. I think they left it at the snake campsite because she's not carrying that bag anymore. Uh, well, I think Norman also uh, found a bowl of matches. It, well, but that, that might be a little bit okay. later. That I can understand. Yes. Matches, very useful. Um, small plastic jar, you know, I don't know. Uh, rolled up document from the wall. Maybe you could light something with that in conjunction with your new matches. But I don't know. I'm I'm not following his logic here. Maybe it's just for spite. 
maybe he's going to burn that for spite. Like, I'm going to use that thing because it's honored by these people, and they are a bunch of rich bitches, and I hate them, and I'm going to burn their shit. You know what? I mean, there was a theme of class distinction in this episode, right? They find this fancy golf club. Later on in the episode, Daryl's talking about his past a little bit, and there's, you know, you could take something from that as well along these lines. So maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's... And then, you know, in this scene, he also grabs the darts and he starts yeah. throwing them, not at the dartboard, but at, like, the pictures of the golf executives or whatever that are on the wall. Right. He hates these people. He does. So maybe that's what he's doing here, um, at least in this scene with the document and the darts. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know I don't know why he didn't clue in that uh, using these darts and putting them, uh, you know, accurately throwing these darts hard at these uh, pictures of these people's heads and uh, hitting them with accuracy and with uh, great force. I don't know why he didn't clue in. Take the friggin' darts. They could be useful to take out zombies. They could. I mean, you could just hold on to one, right, and ram a zombie. I mean, No, you throw it. Wow. I mean, sure, you might need to throw... They got soft heads. A I dart know. will go through their skull and be fine. I don't know. And here's another question. Is the very small um, needle or whatever... What do you call the pointy end of a dart? Pin, pin is the pin, pin on a dart I don't know. enough of a wound to the zombie's head to kill it? It's a good two inches, two and a half inches long. Like before you get to the knuckle. I know, but I'm I don't that's know if enough. that's enough. People, yeah, I think it's enough. If you can stab a zombie in the face with a wine bottle, I know I'm sure that didn't actually kill the zombie, but you know, you throw a few darts. Uh, the reason I say this be, is because uh, I used to have a, a I used to play AD and D with a fighter that. Uh, had a whole bunch of darts and everybody used to make fun of me because I was a fighter with darts like uh you know this big strong beefy guy walking through the forest with uh, plate mail armor and 30 darts and two inch and darts <laughs> with two inch darts and I thought it was funny but I could uh with you know basically the, the rules of D&D at that time uh you could throw like a whole bunch of darts and the damage was strength based not accuracy based or anything like that it was as how hard could you throw a dart mm-hmm. and uh, once I got my strength up to like 19, those darts were just lethal. And they actually, the DM uh, had to take me aside and ask me to stop using them because they were just too damn lethal. It was I was breaking the game because they were so good. And you got to, if you look at Daryl's arms, that guy's got a pretty high strength rating. And he's throwing those darts with a lot of force and they're going into the wall up to the knuckle. Those darts could be an asset and he didn't take them with him. Do you think he could strap them to the front of his, his bolts? Or would he even uh, need to? Hey, you know, that's not a bad idea either. In a pinch, anyway. In a pinch. they could uh, You could use the, the feathers for uh, for fletching, and you could use the, the pointy end for the pointy end of the crossbow bolt. <laughs> you don't want to be on the other end of the pointy end. <laughs> no. Well, that's so... Uh, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, you're right. Anyways, Beth finds some peach schnapps here. And she tries to drink it, but doesn't. And then Daryl comes over and he smashes the bottle and says that her first drink ain't going to be no peach schnapps. (laughs) But she's a 17, 18-year-old girl or woman. Peach schnapps is perfect. Like, it's absolutely perfect. Yep, you're absolutely right. My wife, in her younger days, got wasted on peach schnapps. No, that's not peach schnapps. It was Goldschlager. And I'm sure she's 
she is going to be really happy to hear me tell that story <laughs> or <laughs> even mention it. Um, well, you didn't, you didn't tell the story. Go on with the story. There's no real story. She just drank way too much Goldschlager and uh, it all came back on her. Did she throw up all over the place? It was a good um, 15 years ago. Were you married? No. You weren't married then? Okay. So she didn't like throw up in bed all over the place. No. <laughs> no, she didn't. Yeah. Only my kids do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but not from Goldschlager. Well, that's because there's a there's a direct correlation uh, a direct correlation between uh, toddlers and uh, drunk university students. Uh, they can both they both are they, they both, both throw behave up a lot. exactly the same. Just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. a, I think there's a whole Reddit page on uh, drunk or toddler where you go and people write stories about what happens and you have to guess whether or not it was a drunk college student or a toddler that did it. That sounds hilarious. It's great. Yeah, go check it out. It's funny. <laughs> All right. I will. That sounds funny. So Daryl and Beth, uh, they leave, and we go to commercial. <laughs> right. When we come back, they're walking through the forest again, and Beth is trying to guess what Daryl did before the apocalypse, and right. she tries motorcycle mechanic. That's a good guess. I think it's a great guess. But they continue on. He doesn't really say anything. They come to a house in the forest, and Daryl says that he found it with Michonne. So this indicates to me now that they haven't probably traveled that far from the prison, or if they have, they're in an area that he's familiar with because he's been there before. Right. So he probably knew about the uh, the golf course and brought them there. Like, they didn't just stumble across it. Yeah, you're probably right. He thought, maybe we can be safe here for a little while. Right. He might not have explored it, like he might not have gone in with Michonne, but he probably knew the golf course was there. Yeah, which is interesting. Now, if there had been people living there, did he know that before? And was he expecting to find them this time? I think the people were all dead for a while. They've been dead for a while? They've been dead for a while. Okay, so Daryl never saw the people there. Well, they, uh, yeah, where they, they get to this place. He says he found it with Michonne. Inside, there's a bunch of moonshine in a shed. Mm-hmm. And they take it in, and Daryl pours her a glass. There. This will be your first drink. She drinks it and says, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. With a slightly sour face. Give me some more. <laughs> and she has more and says, the second round's better, <laughs> which I thought was funny. <clears throat> now, when you were 18 and you took a shot of, uh, or took a, a swig of something hard, like, uh, I don't even know what, even like vodka or bourbon or scotch or some kind of hard liquor, mm-hmm. your first shot of that was uh was it a kind of a mm, that really is unpleasant kind of thing or is it a kind of a bang your hand on the the counter and go and make loud disgusting noises you know i i don't remember my first taste of hard liquor and i i don't honestly i don't think it was as young as 18 i didn't i i didn't i mean first of all i wasn't allowed to drink anything until 19 years of age in ontario and you perfectly complied with the law. Of course. Of course yes. I did. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember the first time I tried it. But no, I'm pretty sure my reaction was not like, hmm, burns a little. It was probably like a little more like Beth's. That was the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. Yeah, I just think that the reaction would have been a little more physical and visceral than uh, mm, yucky. I, yeah, I don't think she, I think she still would have taken that second drink. That's not the problem, but you're right. It would have been a bit more, wow, that is some harsh stuff, right? Yeah, especially if it was moonshine. And I've seen uh, grown men on TV and movies drink moonshine and, uh, uh, you know, balk at it. 
Yeah, exactly. Whereas this 18-year-old girl that uh, has never had a drink in her life uh, takes a drink goes, ooh, that's yucky. But I'll have some more, please. Yes, more, please. Well, I um, I don't know. You're 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 absolutely right. I I love whiskey now, and uh, I can't believe there was ever a time where I thought it was disgusting. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I still can't stand it. I can't. <laughs> uh, I, I yeah. Even the smell of it really annoys me. I, I've never been able to drink hard liquor at all. Well, there are many hard liquors I do not enjoy, too. But whiskey's not one of them. So Beth keeps drinking. Daryl's boarding up a window. And he's talking about how this is the kind of dump he lived in with his family. So we're getting right. a little bit more information on Mr. Dixon here. Mm-hmm. And a zombie comes up to the window, but they decide to not go out and kill the zombie, but keep drinking instead. That's because it's one of those polite zombies that knock and goes, Excuse me. Excuse me. Is there anybody in there? Yeah. Well, I think this is one of the dumbest decisions. I mean, leaving the zombie alive outside or air quotes alive there's one thing but to decide to just leave it there while you go get shit-faced inside just seems like the stupidest decision these people could make yeah that's pretty dumb you know pretty dumb um so they start playing a drinking game it's kind of a truth or dare game sort of do you want to explain the rules do you remember the rules uh, i remember them vaguely but i've heard of this game i've never actually played this game but uh, i've heard of this game on uh, on tv and movies before and it's a uh, have you ever type game right so you say uh, i've or i've never and you say something you've never done uh, and then some if the another person in the group has done it they drink it they drink uh, a drink and so you learn more about that person have you ever uh, shaved all your head and and shaved all your hair and painted your face blue for a sports game. I've never done that. And it's like, well, somebody goes, well, yeah, I've done that. So you drink. So you drink. Yeah. So I that, think those are the rules. Yeah. No, that's that's about it. And um, they start with some simple things like I've never been outside of Georgia. I've never shot a crossbow. Stuff like that. Yep. And and then Beth hits Daryl hard with, I've never been in jail. And he reveals that, no, he has never been in jail, although he's upset by this. It sets him off a little bit because he's insulted by Beth's assumption about him. Right. And so he gets up, goes to take a leak uh, in the corner of the room, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to piss, go outside, man. No, not in uh, Daryl's state. And there's that zombie out there, too. So you got to yeah, deal with no, that that, that made perfect sense to me. Have you ever really been around... A uh, like a full blown alcoholic that's that's drunk off their gourd. Um, they I don't will know. Piss in the corner. Okay. I'm telling you right now that they will just go, go if they have to go to the bathroom. They will piss in the corner. Okay, but he's not a full blown alcoholic. He's not totally wasted. He's just pissed off. And, I, I don't I don't know if that's true. And is that I got enough? the impression that he's a that he's a recovering alcoholic. <clears throat> no, because he refused to drink before. And he was uh, dead set against uh, going and getting a drink for Beth. Uh, I think that uh, Daryl uh, has gone through, uh, you know, trouble with the bottle. I, I don't know, think man. He slipped here. I don't think so at all. I I didn't get that impression. I think he just realized he was being sensible. He realized now is not the time to go and look for booze. You're being stupid. We have to survive. We have to find shelter, food, and so on. And you're wasting our time looking for alcohol. When they get to this place. I mean, he eventually gives in, but I didn't get the impression he had any past with a drinking problem. Oh, I did. You know, Merle, his brother, had the drugs and the drinking and all that kind of stuff. 
Daryl here, I think he's just mad. I think he's just like, you think so little of me that you expected me to be in jail. And, you know, he knows that zombie's outside, so he's just going to whip it out and pee in the corner. I think he succumbed to uh, peer pressure from Beth and finally uh, had a drink after a, a long time being sober. Mm. <clears throat> you could be right, although I think they would have they would have implied that in the show in other ways in four seasons, and I don't think uh, they have done that. I, I don't know. I don't know if they they had that idea until this episode. <laughs> well, you could be right about that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he starts yelling, making noise, calls her a spoiled bitch, basically. Not in so many words, but basically does that. And uh, eventually he pulls her outside to very violently teach her how to shoot that crossbow and kill the zombie that's out there. Right. Um, ultimately, you know, he starts shooting it and she takes her knife and stabs it through the head and it dies. But they end up having a big argument and... You know, they argue about a lot of things here. I think he's sort of accusing her of being overly optimistic about finding people and surviving and and meeting up with their friends again and even them being alive. And uh, he's trying to, like, she's trying to stand up for herself a little bit because I don't think, you know, she feels respected by Daryl in those ways, you know? And we eventually learn that Daryl blames himself for what happened at the prison. He thinks that it's his fault because he didn't do enough to find the governor or save the prison. Right. Which is a pretty big flaw for him and the way he sees things because really it wasn't his fault at all. Right. And, you know, his it's not his, this sort of thing isn't his responsibility alone, but he's taking it pretty hard. He is. And it, it just, it seems like the, the kind of thing that Daryl would do is would, would be to uh, take on all the responsibility and all of the blame. Do you think that's a new thing for him in his life, though? Like, has he been, has he been taking the fall or taking the responsibility for all the things that Merle has done over the years, and that's why he's in this position? I don't got, I never, I don't got the impression that, uh, and I'm going to fix that sentence later, uh, I don't got the impression that, uh, that he did that before, but uh, I do got the impression that uh, he does that now. Like, uh, when, what I mean by that is, <laughs> I don't don't have the uh, I didn't see that before that he would take on all the responsibility and blame for uh, for everything. He seemed like a very low key, do what needs to be done kind of guy, uh, and sometimes that's uh, that you know that means doing bad things. But uh, generally, it's a get shit done kind of thing. And this is the first time we've ever really seen him uh, take on the responsibility and blame for something. And and maybe it's because he's taken on that responsibility. I think he was always overshadowed by his brother, right? And now at the prison and with this group of people, he's been in a little bit of a leadership or a respected position, right? Right. And so when things all go bad, I guess... You know, he's he's new to this leadership stuff, and he assumes that it's him or the leadership team that needs to keep things running smoothly and keep things or keep things together. Right. And when it all goes to shit, he's like, well, it must be our fault. It must be my fault. It's no one else. We were the ones that were running this place. Who's Who else's fault could it be? Yeah. So this, I mean, the whole thing is new to him as a, as a human being, I think. Right. He breaks down and cries, though, and Beth gives him a nice big hug from behind. That's all he needs is a, is a nice hug. It is. We come back from our commercial break, and it's now nighttime at the Moonshine Hut. And they're sitting outside, and they're chatting. 
And Daryl tells a story about a fight him and Merle had with a meth dealer. Mm-hmm. And, Tweakers. Uh, a tweaker, yeah. And a little white guy, he says. So he explains that guns were pulled. Um, Daryl thought he was dead at that moment. And he reveals that he didn't really do anything before the zombie apocalypse. He just drifted around with Merle doing whatever he was told. Yeah, doing so, whatever Merle said we were doing that day. Right, so therefore nothing could be his fault. Right. H- however, now he's leading a team or a group. And so when it goes bad, it's all his fault. I think it's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> um, Beth starts talking about all the expectations she had living at the prison, like Glenn and Maggie having a baby, birthdays, holidays, her dad being a grandfather, and so on. Picnics. Yeah, picnics. She had a very oh. um, pleasant sort of outlook on this whole situation. She was pretty delusional about uh, what her expectations were. Yeah, was she ever. She needed to be grounded a little bit. Yeah. Um. And she tells Daryl that she thinks he's going to be the last man standing in all of this. She says, I'll be gone someday and you're going to miss me, but it's just going to be you. And uh, she says he's made for this kind of situation. um, And he's, he's changed a lot since his life with Merle and he's stepped up and he's, you know, he's a survivor in this kind of scenario. Right. He suggests that they go inside um, but she says, why don't we burn the place down? <laughs> Let's burn it. <laughs> Let's burn it down. So they do. <laughs> so, yeah. They, and this is where the money comes in and the matches that they find. That's oh. right. So they light a wad of money, a wad of cash. After spreading out moonshine all over the place so it'll burn, they light yeah. a wad of cash on fire. They throw it in. The place goes up in flames really quick. Well, that's because they spread moonshine all over the place. I know. That stuff is extremely flammable. And it's a wooden shack, and it has probably been there a long time so it's ready to go yep and uh they give it the finger before they walk away into the forest together all right have you ever this is going to be a silly question have you ever tried to light a stack of cash on fire no i have not (laughs) have you no but i can tell you that it doesn't light easily it's like trying to light a closed book on fire uh, books are actually denser than uh, your average board, like a piece of wood mm-hmm. of the same size. It's actually mm-hmm. denser and therefore is harder to light. It's like trying to light a piece of hardwood directly without having uh, kindling and newspaper and all that kind of stuff. You just singe it. It doesn't light on fire. Right. So, yeah, books don't burn very well, oddly enough. You have to splay open the pages and uh, get a lot of air in there to, in order for them to light properly. Mm-hmm. I assume that a stack of bills would behave relatively similarly, except that they're also made from cotton and not from paper. So they're actually, and they're treated to be fire resistant. So actually lighting a stack of cash would be more difficult than lighting a stack of paper. So using a stack of cash to light a fire doesn't make a lot of sense. No, but it looks good and the symbolism is good. It is good. I'm surprised that they didn't use the pearls that he found to light the uh, <laughs> the cabin on fire. That'd be even more difficult. Um, <laughs> two questions for you. Number one, American money is made of cotton? Yeah. Ours is made of plastic now, but it used to be made of cotton. Yeah, I was going to say well, ours it's is... A cotton, it's a blend, but there's cotton in there. Okay. Um, That's why you can wash it. Right, and it's and it survives. Our money is made of plastic now. Yeah. Relative, that's a relatively new change. It is. On Canadian money. And it's funny. Part of it's transparent. For all any of you Americans or anyone listening, part of our, you can see through our money now. And all the bills stick together. It's so annoying. I like them. I like how they feel. 
They're smooth ah, I just and want shiny. a bunch of coins. Give me a you know a three inch five dollar coin oh. and a five inch ten dollar coin, and I'd be happy. Yeah, like dinner plates. You'd, you'd need a you'd need a money backpack, not a wallet. Well, yeah. Think about having to go to the store and buy something for nine ninety nine and have to carry around a friggin' dinner plate to do it. You'd spend <laughs> less money. Yeah, you probably would, or you'd be stronger from carrying around all your well, change. There's also interacts, so that makes things easier. And they love that where you actually hide the money that you're spending. It makes no difference whether you're spending a dollar ninety nine or hundred and ninety nine dollars. The process is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have bills, you have to count out the hundred and ninety nine dollars and it's much more apparent that you're spending a large amount of money or a larger amount of money than a dollar ninety nine. Yeah, that is very true. It's so, all psychological. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, I'm sure that uh all kinds of companies cannot wait for paper money to go away entirely. Um, yeah, and it might not be that far off, to be honest with you. No, probably not. Okay, well, Jason, let's take our break now and then come back and talk a little bit more about this episode, okay? Okay. All right. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be right back after we do this. Standing in a world with the street For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. To get you started, we would like to recommend a book. Jason, what's on the docket for this uh, week? Well, in uh, celebration of the Oscars that happened yesterday, I'm going to recommend 12 Years a Slave by uh, Solomon Northrup. Why would you be recommending that particular one? Well, that particular uh, novel was made into a movie, and that particular movie was... uh, uh, won the Oscar for Best Picture. That's right. 12 Years a Slave just took home the Best Picture Oscar last night at the 86th Annual Academy Awards, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, if you've seen it or if you haven't, why not go and pick up the book? It's narrated by Louis Gossett Jr. Well, you can't go wrong there. No, that that sounds fantastic. From Iron Eagle fame. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I highly recommend that. I think I will pick that one up. It's a movie I want to see. I have not checked it out yet, but um, I enjoy... I'm one of the few people that enjoys reading books and seeing the same the movie that's based on it. Not everyone I'm likes uh, to do that. I'm buying this right now. All right, there you go. Jason's buying it right now. If you want to get it for free, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for a free audiobook and you get to keep it regardless of whether you stick with the Audible subscription.
Okay, welcome back to the program, everybody. Before we get into holy crap, did you see that? Let's talk about this episode a little bit, Jason. I had big, big high hopes for this episode. You did? Yes, I did. So that's that means you saw previews and such? I did. I always see the previews because right after it airs live, you see next week on The Walking Dead. During AMC's Talking Dead show, they show another clip, which I did not see this week because I had flipped to the Oscars. But I, I do see the previews and so on. And I was expecting something big out of this episode, to be honest with you. Maybe a character death, maybe some large revelation. I don't know. And after watching it, I got to say that that didn't really play out. That Nothing like that happened for me. And I'll be honest, I thought this episode was probably about 50% poor, 50% bad, and with some moments, some really brilliant moments in it towards the end. I want a pie chart. I want a pie chart of what this episode contained, like what was good, what was bad. So you got 50% poor and like 25% boring, and then uh, 10% uh, drinking, and 3% fire. Yeah, maybe, but I would... <laughs> oh, so... sorry, and uh, add in about uh, 20%, maybe 23.5%, uh, finding out what Daryl uh, did before the apocalypse. Yeah, that, that about sums it up, and the problem with that is, of all those things, there was maybe 25% of good stuff. And I'm not saying the whole episode was, was bad, uh, and I'm not saying everything else in the episode was was really terrible, but I felt that the the whole mission for booze, the golf course part, went on way, way too long. Right. It was her looking for that drink, Daryl kind of acting weird, and just them moving from one place to the next in order to advance sort of the conversation almost. I get this episode that they wanted to tell us more about Daryl's character. In fact, tell us more about Beth's character as well. But boy, oh boy, did was it a lot of episode with very little new information. As soon as I saw this episode, I knew that I could sum it up in nine words. Okay. Daryl and Beth get drunk and start a fire. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That is pretty much <laughs> That's the it. whole episode. It is. But, I mean... But I, I like the idea behind this episode, right? I don't mind episodes where characters talk, they reveal things about about themselves, and, you know, it adds to the overall development of them as a character. So I like the idea. But the execution of this episode was the problem. You know, put them, put them traveling through the forest, almost alternating between forest movement and and location movement, which is the golf course or the shack, and like I feel like all we needed in this episode was a quick reminder of what Daryl and Beth were doing and then get right into their sort of conflict. The part of this episode that I thought was really, really good was the argument they had outside the Moonshine Shack. Right. Where they were yelling at each other. And I'll be honest with you, I think in this scene, Emily Kinney made up for every single bit of poor or bad acting she's had in this show because she was spectacular in that scene. I thought of you when she was uh, when she was doing that scene. I thought uh, Chris is going to feel that she redeemed herself in that scene. Really? It, it was really good. I mean, they were both good, but you expect that from Norman Reedus. Yeah. At this point, I didn't know that Emily Kinney had that in her. 
And obviously she does because she did a great job in that scene. And there was a lot of, uh, like, uh, there was a listener a couple of weeks ago that, uh, geez, I forget his name, unfortunately, who was saying that uh, oh, he went to college with, um, uh, what's her name? You're not giving me much here. <laughs> yeah, okay. She, he went to college with uh, Maggie, the actress who plays Maggie. I forget her name off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Uh, and said that she when, she, when Maggie was crying, she had a lot more uh, background and a lot more setup in order to get the emotions going. Right. Whereas uh, Emily Kinney just had to stand there and cry. Yeah, that was right. one of our listeners who said that. He went to college with Lauren Cohen. Right. And yeah, that that's the that's the thing I was trying to get out of my face through my mouth hole. Mm-hmm. Now, uh so in this scene, Emily Kinney did have that kind of lead up to this, and so she was able to uh to pull it out and uh did a really good job in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. What it's funny because I, I watched this whole episode and by that point we were quite near the end and I was thinking to myself, Oh, this is this is the weakest episode I've seen in a long time. I don't know what all of the golf course stuff was for. You know, where are they going with this? And then they have that scene, and I'm like, oh, well, this is obviously what they were leading up to. It's just it took forever to get here, and there was no point to all of that stuff because it kind of showed them doing the same things we saw them doing two episodes ago when we saw Daryl and Beth, right? right. There was nothing new except that she was looking for booze, which just seems like the dumbest, dumbest thing you can do in this situation. When you were 18 years old, you never went on a booze hunt? Of course I did, but it wasn't the zombie apocalypse, man. No, but that's what 18-year-old kids do. That's what, uh, you know, I remember being around that age, and by around that age, I'm thinking grade seven, (laughs) that uh, my entire reason for existence was how are we going to get drunk tonight? I know, but it doesn't make sense when there are zombies patrolling the area. It, it kind of makes even more sense. No, if you Because ha- you're looking for anything that, uh, any kind of mission in life, uh, other than just simply survival. Maybe if the stuff, if the alcohol or whatever it is you want is readily available. Maybe if you are holed up in a liquor store and you've been living there for a while and you're like, I'm finally going to break into this, you know, 18-year-old McKellen. But... Not, that's not a mission. That's an idea that you, you want to, you know, do something about. This is a, a mission. This is a, uh, you know, a reason to live right now. It's probably a bad reason, but that's probably the motivation that she, her, uh, her brain is latching onto in order to, uh, to continue existing, to get up and to get moving and to get, uh, you know, continue surviving. Is just it could could have been anything, but in this case, it's I want to get drunk. I just and don't, I've had that exact feeling. Yeah, believe but, me. But again, your life is not in mortal danger, <laughs> right? I think when you are in a forest with no shelter, no food except snakes, I don't think that you would go out of your way to find booze, especially someone who's never had it before. You know, it would not be a top priority, and that's all I'm saying. I'm just like they needed these people to get going where they're going. We could have. We could have had them stumble across this moonshine shack, as I'm calling it, you know, just through walking through the forest. They get there, they realize the moonshine's there, and then we have this conversation about Beth never having a drink before and she wants to try it. I would I would have been totally on board with that because it became readily available. But sitting in the forest with nothing to eat, nothing to drink, and zombies around, you know, after having spent the night in a car trunk, you're just not going to be like, I want to go get wasted, man. Let's do it. I, I don't necessarily agree with you and i don't agree that the uh that survival was foremost in their mind they had shelter they had 
uh, water because he tossed uh, Daryl tossed water to her when she said, "I want a drink." They had food. They had just eaten. They had a fire. Uh, they had every all of their immediate survival needs satisfied. So why get up and continue moving? Why do that? She just I just think her brain latched onto something that any eighteen year old brains would latch onto. I want to get drunk, and that was her her motivation for uh, for continuing to live, to move forward. I don't know. I I can I will concede that there is you sometimes need that motivation to keep going, right? Yep. You need something to push you in the right direction. I just don't see booze being it when that's never been a part of your life before. Bob Stuckey, yes, he's going to keep living for the booze because that's what he wants. That's what he's always wanted. It's been a problem in his life. Beth, I don't think so. You've never had a fleeting idea that becomes uh, an obsession for a couple of days where all you want to do is uh, figure out you know, more about it, to learn about it, to, to go and acquire whatever it is you need to do in order to get it done, that kind of thing. And your entire existence is, uh, you know, obviously you have responsibilities that are secondary to this, you know, minor little obsession, but you've, you've never encountered that in your life? Well, probably. I mean, I can't think of an example, but probably I have. I don't know. But about, I don't uh, think you can what compare. What about digging that, uh, that drainage ditch in your backyard? Yeah, there was more of a necessity, though, than yes, an obsession. Yes, but it was, it was an enjoyment thing, and that was, uh, you know, for, it occupied most of your brain for a little while. A couple of days, maybe? Yeah, well, I was probably talking about it a lot, right? <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying that that might be an example. It's just, you know, it's, it's fleeting. Like, this whole situation lasted a day. Mm-hmm. You know, they got up in the morning, they slept in a trunk, and uh, they had a bunch to eat. <laughs> And by by the time evening fell, they were drunk out of their skulls. Yeah, I just, I I see your point, but I just can't, I just don't think you can compare like regular everyday life and how that leads to, you know, short fleeting ideas that you might follow up on obsessively for a short time and living in the forest with flesh eating zombies all over and having that same sort of thing for something, I mean, so unnecessary as having a drink. I remember one time, and I'm going to tell you a story where this, uh, it, it, it does parallel. Uh, when I was 17, uh, I was, I had joined the reserves and, uh, in, in Canada, you can join the reserves at 17. You can join the regular forces at 18. So I joined the reserves and we were doing a training exercise, uh, up North as a Sioux. And it was for a couple of days for a weekend. And they brought us up there in a couple of deuce and a halfs, uh, those big trucks that we saw last week. Uh, and, uh, we were doing stuff like learning how to use, uh, compasses and orienteering and, uh, learning how to ghost walk, which is walk very silently along a dirt road and learning how far a kilometer is, like how far, uh, how many steps you take in order to get to a kilometer so you could judge distance and such. And we were up there for a couple of days and the second evening, uh, I think one of the master sergeants, uh, somehow got a hold of a case of beer. And he got, uh, and he decided once he got that case of beer that he would spread it out. Everybody would get a half a glass of beer or something like that. And after a couple of days of being in the bush, just a couple of days, that guy, we could have all kissed him many times over. And normally we would have punched that guy in the face because he was the biggest asshole on the planet. But once he had that beer, it was extremely exciting to have that beer. And that was all we wanted was that beer. So I can see this happening. Like, we weren't starving to death. 
we weren't in mortal danger, but we were off in the bush for a while. We had to eat. If you, if you ever had to spend three days or two days eating uh, Canadian field rations, anything other than Canadian field rations would be a, uh, a necessity of life. Okay, so so beer was that important to you at that moment? Yeah, and I was 17, like I said, same age as uh, as Beth, and uh, there, was a, there was a big need to figure out how to get drunk. All right, well, you know, even if that's the case, even if you can justify her mission for, for a drink, it still took up way too much of this episode, in my opinion. Okay, I'll concede that point. All right. <laughs> Motivation-wise, I'll argue with you till we're both blue in the face, but uh, story-wise and whether or not it should have actually filled, you know, that much of the pie of this episode, yeah, uh, I'll concede that. I still think it's dumb, but even if it's not, it took up way, way too much. So even if it's not dumb, it's still dumb. Even if it's not dumb, it's still dumb. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. So I didn't, despite loving, loving the, the big argument at the end and what it revealed... And how both actors did it, like they just they were great. I really didn't like the episode all that much overall. Um, and you know, to be honest, it felt a little bit like The Walking Dead throwing in a full Daryl episode to pander to the fans a little bit. The fans, people love Daryl Dixon. They want to see him on screen. He hasn't been on screen that much in the second half of this uh, of this season until now, and now he's probably got more screen time than almost anybody. Yeah. Which also got to me a little bit, but that's, I guess, a different issue. Anyways, if you agree or disagree with what you've heard here today, let us know. We want to hear. We'll 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 be doing our feedback show, of course, on Wednesday, so um, we will get to your thoughts about this episode uh, at that point. Send them in to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com. Holy crap! Did you see that? All right, Jason, let's blow through the holy crap. Did you see that's for this week? Am I starting? All right. Yeah, you start. Read them double time. This is an email from Danny in L.A. My holy crap moment was the entire episode. This had to be the worst one yet. I have no problem with either character, but an entire episode of them doing nothing but messing around and drinking moonshine was so unproductive as far as moving the story along. These two don't need any more character development. My only reasoning for this episode was I guess the writers needed some filler. Next week, better Next week, better just blow everyone's minds. I agree. No, you don't. I kind of agree. Like, I, I thought this episode was uh, basically just Daryl and Beth get drunk and start a fire. Well, that's true. That is exactly what you said, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we were arguing about motivation, not about uh, actual storytelling. You're absolutely right. The thing here is... Danny says that these characters don't need any more development. I don't agree with that. I think you can always flesh out characters regardless of what point in the story you are at. It's just that this episode didn't do that for what it was, I thought. I thought uh, Beth's character was has a little more depth now. She was very uh, cardboardy for a lot of uh, this show prior to this, mm-hmm. for me at least. No, so I this, uh, And I knew her character, but it was still very flat. This uh, gave her a bit more depth. For sure. Daryl we didn't need, but I liked finding out his backstory a little bit. All right, so we have an email from Cynthia on the internet. Cynthia didn't present this as a holy crap, but we're going to include it anyway. In the beginning of the episode, Daryl and Beth are hiding in the trunk. When daylight comes and they get out and gather things for the journey, as they walk away from the car, what happened to the dead walker lying next to the car? Did he get moved or crawl away? 
So at the very beginning, the camera pans down from the sky, the nighttime thunder sky, and there's a dead walker or a walker lying on the ground. And then right. he's not there in the morning. So did he get dragged away by the herd that went through? I would think so. Think so. I I'll guess. learn how to talk someday. Yeah, I, I assume that there was a, a couple of hundred zombies and uh, things got moved. Yeah, I. that's the only explanation for it. Or he wasn't actually dead yet, and then he got up with the rest of the herd and walked away with them. Oh, friends, and got up and walked away. Yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't have attacked the two living people, but who knows? He, he was definitely gone. Uh, Greg from the internet writes in, holy crap, they should have titled this episode, Eat the Rich. Definitely the most <laughs> class-conscious Walking Dead yet. Right. Which is kind of what I said earlier, but it's true. Eat the Rich. That's a reference to a song, I think, isn't it? Eat the Rich. Um, like Warrant, some 80s hair metal band, maybe. Eat the Rich. I think it's Warrant. I was a big fan of that kind of stuff back in the Aerosmith. day. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Oh, I yeah, like the Aerosmith, Aerosmith too. song. Warrant was Cherry Pie, right? <laughs> no, that was Aerosmith as well. No, no, no. that was uh, that was Motley Crue. No, it wasn't. It was definitely Warrant. She's my Cherry Pie. Motley Crue was smoking in the boys' room and and stuff like that. Oh, it's Warrant. Okay, you're right. All right. What's oh, that? That's me. Okay, so uh, an email from Mike, uh, the Shepherd Air Force Base in Texas. Uh, is it just me, or did Daryl totally ruin the Walking Dead drinking game for us? It's pretty bad when the characters get drunk before the viewers do, and who plays drinking den, uh, drinking games with moonshine anyway? Well, I don't think the drink of choice is really all that important, but uh, yes, the characters being more drunk than the viewers. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit that I've never tried moonshine. Uh, I don't think that I have either, to be honest. So uh, I think moonshine in itself is a drinking game. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. And the stakes are high. <laughs> you never know what it's going to do to you. Yeah. All right, James from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, Holy crap, they found a way to make Daryl more likable. After three plus years of Dixon love, I feel like Daryl became a real character with his emotional breakdown in front of the tree-tied walker. It's been a while since The Walking Dead has pulled at my heartstrings, but this episode felt genuine and honest. Hopefully, this is a sign of things to come. So see, not everyone hated the episode. Yeah, not everyone. That's good. So we have an email from uh, Joey, and I'm going to assume that this is your spelling mistake and not Joey's spelling mistake. So it's Joey from Fart Bragg, North Carolina. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was. I <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was supposed to have written Fort Bragg. Yeah. Okay. So I, I figured it was Fort Bragg, but uh, it's uh, it's Fart Bragg on my uh, my notes here, and I apologize, Joey, for that. Yeah. It's all Chris's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Joey says, Daryl completely blames himself for prison attack version 2.0 because he was never able to find the governor. He even blames himself for Herschel. That really explains his attitude throughout the first few episodes and why he's so closed off to Beth. Yeah, why he's been such a Debbie Daryl Downer, right? <laughs> Daryl Downer. Wah, wah. <laughs> That's right. All right, uh, next email comes from Shell in Melbourne or Melbourne, Australia. Pinata zombies. We've seen at least one other dangler who learned too late that everyone is already infected. But the three of them hanging there, ostensibly forever, was pretty dark and creepy. Also, I can't believe that in a country uh, with over 240 million people, they were down to starting fires with glass and car mirrors. The whole scarcity of goods overall in the show keeps sticking in my craw. 
I, I agree with Shell. First of all, uh, she used ostensibly in a sentence, which I applaud. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, uh, yeah. Do you know how many Zippo lighters are kicking around the States, even in Canada? Every store you go into has a rack of Zippo lighters. Yeah, it's true. Now, if you do, it's the kind of thing, though, that you never have when you need it. Oh, I have, I have, yeah, I have, I, I don't even smoke and I have like two Zippos. Not me, I around. don't. And a, and a, um, a hurricane lighter. It's It'll, like. This will light a fire in a hurricane. Oh, well, that's because you have everything. But like I was the other day or, or some months ago, I was looking for like a mini screwdriver to fix a pair of glasses. And that's yep. the kind of thing I can never find when you need it. But then they're always hanging around when you don't. Really? I've got, uh, I'm opening a drawer. Yes, I know, and it's right and there. I, and now I have them in my hand. Yeah, see, you are an unusually organized or obsessive-compulsive, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, the same thing. probably a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, a lighter or matches or whatever you need or a rolled-up document from a picture on the wall, you just never have that when you need it. So that's why Daryl was collecting these things, I guess. Yeah, finding something to light a fire probably uh, is is relatively easy. Uh, you know, mining for gold probably is a little more difficult nowadays. A little bit, yeah. Okay. All right, so we have an email from Kevin in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Beer City USA winner 2012 and 2013. Congratulations, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and all of the residents. Now, I've been to Grand Rapids. It's lovely. Okay, and it's the Beer, <laughs> beer City USA. That's yeah, we used to do. I was in a pipe band in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and we used to do parades all summer throughout the uh, the northern and southern peninsula, including Grand Rapids every now and again. You have had and a fascinating life, Mr. Miles. Yeah, a 17-year-old kid walking around in the summer in a parade, playing the drums, and then we march into the nearest bar and drink till close. <laughs> See? Fascinating life. <laughs> what did I tell you? Fascinating. And then driving home drunk with the uh, the pipe major. All right, so Kevin says, Badass Beth, Beth stabbing the zombie in the face with a broken wine bottle. And, of course, Daryl's golf club kill sending facial nastiness in Beth's direction. Apparently, Daryl does not know that you should yell four before swinging like that. It's true. She might have gotten out of the way of the, that zombie's nose flying right at her. Yeah. Uh, Frank on the internet writes, has to be the Hannibal Lecter-style art project that involved the fusing of rich bitches to a mannequin. Also, I liked the not-so-subtle way Daryl showed his class disdain for the wealthy and their trappings. I guess he means by throwing the blanket over her head and doing nothing else. Yeah, and throwing the darts at the guy's faces and ripping down whatever document that was and uh, using it for maybe toilet paper. I hadn't thought of that till now, but... (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Maybe. Maybe that was his idea. You know, we didn't really talk about that rich bitch thing too much during the recap. So it was a half a zombie stuck onto half a mannequin. Yeah. What do you mannequin think? Mannequin bottom, uh, rich bitch zombie top. So what was the deal there? Like, did the people who work in the golf club, golf course, did they, I don't know, were they getting their revenge on the clientele of the golf course? I assume that there was two groups of people holed up in this uh, particular uh, Pine Vista Golf Club or Country Club. Uh, one was the Country Club members that were kind of holed up there when the apocalypse broke out. And the second was a wave of people that stumbled across it after the apocalypse started. And probably uh, there was some kind of rift between the two and the rich people, uh, the rich uh, members probably were very felt very entitled 
and uh, that really got stuck in the craw of the people that stumbled across it, and they took their revenge out on the on the rich people. And this this statue art project was some kind of symbolism of this, right? Or Lizzie was here. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lizzie was here <laughs> carving people onto mannequins. Yeah. All right. Weird stuff. All right. So I think that's me, right? So we have uh, an email from Gemma in Wales. My holy crap moment was the dead upright woman at the country club wearing a sign around her neck that read, guess what? Rich bitch that Beth wanted to help down. Uh, it reminded me of the signs around the army guy's necks leading towards the cabin in the governor, Brian, found with Mitch and Martinez. Murder, liar, etc. Signs and messages seem to play a big part in this show. I wonder what happened to the country club. Did the staff turn on the wealthy? Well, you see, we already explained it. <laughs> there you go. It could be. But signs, <laughs> so signs do are showing up a lot, and especially this season. It's true. There's the signs for Terminus. There's the rich bitch sign. There are the signs the governor found, liar and so on. And there's the, there's the uh, rat bag or dog trot. What was it? Dog trot. Welcome in, to dog trot. In this episode. And there was also the uh, the sign for the river that Daryl. Uh, remember when they stumbled across a car full of people? I think that was earlier this season, or was it last season? Um, the river. There was anyway. There was also a sign for "Don't pick up hitchhikers that might be pr- escaping prisoners." Oh, right, that's right. Uh, and there was even the, earlier. There's the uh, "Don't open dead inside." That was season one. That was season one. But in in season four, there was the sign that uh, Megan dug up in the mud just before the zombie came up from underneath. That's true, right? She dug up a sign, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. You're right. Every almost flood every warning. episode, flood warning. Yeah. Almost every episode has a sign in it. This hmm. is this is some kind of recurring pattern that may or may you not ever, mean something. Do you ever watch the movie Wonder Boys? Uh, With uh, Tobey Maguire and. Uh, yeah, Crap. the older guy. Yeah, let me. Uh, Isn't he married to Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah, that's the guy. What's right. his name? Douglas. Um, Doug, uh, Douglas Adams? No, no. I know who you mean. Michael Douglas. Michael George Douglas. Douglas. <laughs> Michael. Michael. Wonder Boys. All right, Michael Douglas, Tobey Maguire, and uh, Francis McDormand, Robert Downey Jr., Kate Holmes, and okay. Rip Torn. What about it? Um, so this uh, that movie, which I like, it's it's very much a boys movie, and uh, there's bridges everywhere almost every shot of that movie includes a bridge in the background somewhere cool uh yeah so i actually recommend watching that movie it's actually a really good one good one but uh so signs seem to be very important in uh in the walking dead i'm gonna watch out for that uh, that more often thanks Gemma, for pointing that out all right is it my turn it is your turn. This comes from Adam in Texas. This is friend of the show, Adam, whom I, I'm going to try and get together with next week when I'm down in Texas. Nice. Uh, which should be fun. So uh, get ready, Texas. Here I come. He writes, my moment is Beth. She's quite a handful, and Daryl is kind of dumb. She totally wants a visit from little Daryl. She begs him to get her drunk, play truth or dare, gropes him outside, then burns down a moonshine still. When he doesn't make a move. Wow. <laughs> She's just a baby. She is, only... compared to, to Mr. Dixon, as she calls She's him. She's got to be 18 now, right? Like, she, she was is. 17 at the farm, so I assume that she turned 18 somewhere along the way. So, you know, maybe she uh, she wants to have a relationship, but, uh, yeah, this really paints her in a, uh, a kind of a 
a slutty light, doesn't it? You know what I, I, another thing I noticed about this episode is there was zero sexual tension between these two characters. Yep. And you would think it's kind of a thing on TV that when you get a male and female character together like this, they're the only two cast members. There's almost always some kind of sexual tension and they didn't do that, which is one thing I have to credit this episode for. I would have hated it if there was some sort of sexy time, even if they were just hinting at it in this episode. I would have hated that. And I'm glad right. they didn't. Oh, good. All right, so we have an email from Eric in, oh, God, uh, Menomanani. No, I'm going to say... Menomani. Meno, Menomani? Menomani, Wisconsin. Meno- Holy friggin' crap. Did you feel like this was the least ideal episode of the season to compete with the Oscars? I never thought I'd finish the Walking Dead episode and think, man, I wish I watched that other thing instead. You know... When we predicted our ratings earlier, you might be right, because I have a feeling this episode might not do so well, not because it was against the Oscars, because, but because it was a weak episode. And that doesn't, it doesn't help that it was up against the Oscars. Well, Eric is just lamenting that he didn't watch the Oscars. So that, uh, that actually plays into your uh, theory on the, uh, on the ratings. Okay, that is very true. He so did Eric end did up watching watch it. The Walking Dead, then flip to the Oscars. Yeah, that's right. But you know, I don't know. We'd need a bigger sample audience to find out. Frankly, I'm surprised they put an episode against the Oscars. Usually, a TV show would put on a rerun uh, against uh, something that big. Oh, I don't know. But see, The Walking Dead is a juggernaut on TV. It just seems to never get bad ratings. Yeah. And. But then again, they don't put it up against the Super Bowl because that would be nuts. That, yeah, that's just crazy. You know, but they do Can put you it up against... they put the Oscars against the Super Bowl? Well, I don't give two craps about the Super Bowl, so I would still watch The Walking Dead. But... Well, there's probably, you know, uh, a very distinct uh, difference between the two audiences that uh, would watch the Super Bowl and the, uh, and, and the Oscars. But I don't know. I just think that would be a fun evening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. It would, <laughs> fun. it would cause a lot of... Um, it would be there would be a disturbance in the force that evening because people wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be crazy. Uh, I think it would cause the uh, the executives at the television uh, networks to go into you know a state of apoplectic conniption fits. Yeah, they they'd be like, "What is happening? How <laughs> cannot compute? What do our what will our viewers do tonight?" <laughs> yeah, an email from Matt in New Jersey. Is he next? Yeah. Yep, yep. My holy crap moment was when Daryl teed off on the zombie. Seeing all the debris fly into Beth's, into Beth actually made me laugh out loud. It was kind Yay. of funny, but not entirely unexpected. That's the thing. He got her. He got that guy's nose on her shirt. He did. That's gross. <laughs> all right. So, oh, uh, got Katie from Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire in the UK. Did I get that right? I, uh, my holy crap yeah. moment was Daryl skinning the snake. It made me cringe cringe like you wouldn't believe. I know that this show is uh I know that I know this is a show that is disgusting and gory most of the time, but Daryl skinning the skate skate snake has got to be one of the most <laughs> disgusting things I've seen. And Good. luckily I've forgotten how to talk. <laughs> Good thing we're getting near the end here, man, because yeah. you're losing the ability to speak. <laughs> Um, it was kind of gross skinning that snake, I must admit. Uh, but was that a real snake that he was skinning? It looked real, but probably not. I, I don't know. know. That's probably that's uh, that seemed like a really really good prop if it was uh, if it was fake. Do snake do reptiles have the same 
requirements for acting as, say, like cats, dogs, and horses do? As in you can't harm any animals? Oh, God, yeah. If they actually harmed an animal in the production of this show, I'm sure that uh, uh, they'd get shut down for sure. Or at least but in some hot water. if they ordered a, a dead snake that died of natural causes, no animal was harmed, just dismembered on TV. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I wish there was somebody we could ask about that because I kind of want to know. I kind of want to know too. It looked very real. It did. It looked real when he w- when he caught it with the stick and then sliced its head. It looked real. Yeah. This the uh, I noticed one uh, one thing when he was uh, whoever was putting the 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 stick on the actual snake. It was very tentative and not very forceful. If you go back and look at the actual thing, that snake was not harmed by that stick in any way. That stick was gently placed near the head of that snake. Yeah. Then they cut to the rubber snake and then chopped to put a knife in its head. It still looked pretty good, though, I thought. It did look pretty good. The rubber snake. All right, Petey on Facebook said, Holy crap, did you see Beth and Daryl trying to carry a whole episode? (laughs) Done. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer on Facebook, Holy crap, did anyone else uh, want Merle's tweaker friends to be Skinny Pete and Badger? Breaking Bad reference. Another Breaking Bad reference because we had blue meth way back in season one. We did. That and would, you know, that'd be awesome. I'll be honest. When Daryl was telling this story about Merle's uh, skinny white kid, tweaker kid, I was like, yeah. what if it's Jesse? It's got to be Jesse. Oh, it's, no, it's Skinny Pete. It's definitely Skinny Pete. Well, okay, Skinny Pete. Uh, somebody from Breaking Bad. I think that's I think that's a funny reference. And I definitely think it was put in there on purpose. Yeah. The, guy, the actor who plays Skinny Pete is a phenomenal pianist. Did you know that? Mm, he's actually... Nope. He's a concert pianist. I didn't know that at all. Go look that up. That's friggin' funny. There's nothing funny about the word pianist. Do you remember when uh, when Jesse showed up on uh, uh, in the office for I think it was the Emmys? No, like there the TV a, show, The Office. Yeah, it was like a, a spoof. It was during the Emmys, I think it was. I don't know. Uh, and I think Jesse showed up at the office, and uh, the cameras were there, and Jesse kind of was taken aback by the cameras, and said, uh, "Creed, what the hell." <laughs> He was upset because he was delivering meth to Creed. <laughs> oh, I do remember this. Yeah, I saw that. That was funny. That was funny. I love crossover stuff like that. I, wa- I want Skinny Pete to show up on this show. Oh, well, or that even guy Badger. Could, that guy could play a zombie for sure. He's skinny enough. Yeah. I'd take Badger too. That'd be funny. Badger's good. I like seeing Badger and other stuff. All right. Finally, Joaquim on Facebook says, holy crap, did you see how easily Beth swallowed over 90% moonshine? Yeah as we have already talked about. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your holy craps. We will do more on Wednesday and all of your feedback, of course. And that's going to bring us to the end of this here podcast. I think it was a long one, Jason. I lost track of time, but it's been a, been a while since we started. Well, let's see here. An hour 43 holy cannolis. Yeah, see, we've been going. Um, All right. So Wednesday, as I mentioned, we'll be back to do our feedback show. And the week after that is going to be weird, everybody. I apologize in ahead of time. In I don't. Head. Yeah, in ahead. <laughs> As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm going to be in Texas. I'm going to be in Texas next Sunday during The Walking Dead yep. and Monday when we normally record. But I am going to be back here on Wednesday. So worst case scenario, we will have to do our regular podcast on Wednesday of next week. 
You don't think we can record on Monday even though you're remote? We, we, we can definitely record remotely. It's whether I'll be able to or not. I'm technically on a business trip down to Texas. Right. So I just don't know if I'll be able to get away from stuff, even though it's in the evening and so on, to, to properly record a podcast. So we'll do our best. Hopefully I can. But if not, uh, I apologize. We're going to be a little bit late next week, and we'll, but we'll, we'll, we'll get something out there for sure. All right. Well, I'll tell you right now, Chris, whatever time you can record, I will make myself available. On so the, even if you want to do it at like two o'clock in the morning because you're drunk and you got back to the hotel after a night of strippers and steaks <laughs> and you want to record the podcast, <laughs> I will be make myself available to you so that we can record. All right. You heard that here, everyone. I will be out for strippers and steaks, steaks, <laughs> maybe snakes. I don't know. It's Texas. There's snakes down there, right? <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah. And and then we'll come and do a podcast. So something will happen next week, I promise. I don't know what, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. Um, and then after that, I'm going to be in Chicago for Walker Stalker Con, and I can definitely record remotely from there, Jason. Cool. I'm just saying that right now. So, um Chicago listeners or anyone going to Walker Stalker Con in Chicago this year, make sure you come and find me, say hi, and uh, I will probably have some free stuff to give you. Not much, but just little things. Same things we brought to Atlanta if you were there. Canadian money. Give away some Canadian money. Well, no, I can at least show you the plastic <laughs> money we have, maybe. Um, the other thing, too, is we are organizing another listener meetup in Chicago along with Jason from the Walking Dead cast and the guys from Bald Move over at uh, their podcast. And, of course, um, James and Eric, who do uh, the Walker Stalkers as well. So don't know where it's going to be exactly yet, but it will be somewhere near the convention center and near the hotel for Walker Stalker Con. So when we have more information, I'll let you know. Um, we've got a couple more podcasts between now and then, so keep listening. And if you're going, we'd love to see you come out. And maybe we'll wear name tags this year so you can tell who we are. Nice. I don't know. That's just an idea. Anyhow, that's in a couple of weeks. We will be back on Wednesday with our listener feedback show. In the meantime, you can contact us by calling the Zombline at 1-866-483-9662. You can get us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Finally, send all your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also, of course, go to our website, click the Send Voicemail button, and please keep sending in your entries for the Record Your Favorite Scene contest. As I keep saying, I love getting them, I love playing them, and we'll play some more on Wednesday. Before you do all your shopping on Amazon, go to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. It's a super great and super easy way to help support the show. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, I think that's it for this week. So thank you, everyone, for listening this week. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. We'll see you on Wednesday.